Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. episode is airing on Tuesday, May 25th, 2021. Hello everyone, this is Shannon and I am back with you to chat about this week's new books, but I have a treat for you today. Well, I have a treat for you pretty much every Tuesday, but this one I really liked a lot. If you have been a listener to Book Bistro for some time, you may remember that in 2019, Stacy and I were lucky enough to chat with Karen White about one of her Trad Street novels. Well, last month, I was fortunate enough to speak with Karen again, this time about a standalone novel called The Last Night in London. It was published on April 20th. It is a spectacular dual timeline novel part of which takes place during World War II. So we talk about dual timelines, we talk about the war, we talk about writing, we talk about her lovely, lovely collaborations with authors Lauren Willig and Beatrice Williams. It was just really a delightful conversation and one that I cannot wait for you to hear. So I'm not going to blather on anymore. Instead, we're going to dive into the housekeeping information, then we'll get right into the interview and then I will tell you about new books. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro Podcast. This is Shannon. And today I am joined by author Karen White, who was with us toward the end of 2019. And she is back today talking about her new novel, The Last Night in London, which releases in the U.S. on April 20th. Karen, thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. Thanks for having me, Shannon. So can we start out? with you giving listeners a little bit of an introduction to The Last Night in London. Sure. Um, so this is uh, my most personal book yet. It's sort of, it had its genesis about 40 years ago um, when I moved with my family to London. And we moved into this beautiful um, 1904 Edwardian building. And when we moved into our flat, the porter explained to us that the reason why so many of the windows were plain glass and while others were leaded glass was because during the London Blitz in 1940 and 41, um, uh, there were nearby bombs that had shattered the windows. And um, I just remember from that moment on, um, you know, just imagining the lives of the people in that flat and in my bedroom who had survived that. 
So that never left me. I, I wasn't planning on being a writer at the time, but I just, you know, that I love history and I couldn't get that idea out of my mind of these people that had lived in the flat during that time. Um, so, you know, jump, uh, jump forward many decades and I'm a writer now and I decide it's time to write that book that is set in that building, Harley House. And I do it as a dual timeline. We have 1919, excuse me, 2019, um, pre-COVID, of course, and um, the World War, World War II in London. Um, both uh, timelines set in my flat that I lived in, uh, Harley House on Regent's Park. And in 1919, we have, uh, excuse no. me, why do I keep saying that? Because <laughs> you want country. us to be in the, uh, in the blue <laughs> epidemic. I, no, exactly. No, this is later. It's a different epidemic, but it's a hundred years later. 2019, we have Maddie Warner. Um, she is a journalist, uh, who, a freelance journalist who is, uh, has accepted the assignment to come and interview, um, Precious Dubose, who is about to turn 100, and she was a very well-known fashion model in the late 30s and early 40s in London. And um, she has donated all of her clothes from that time period to the London Fashion Museum and Vogue magazine, who has hired Maddie to write the story of fashion during a time of crisis. Um, is, um, you know, she's she's going to be interviewing Precious about, you know, uh, the history of these clothes and what was going on in London. And she thinks very cut and dried um, sort of story. So she goes to um, visit a Precious DuBose who lives in Harley House and uh, begins interviewing her. But of course, they soon discover that um, the two of them have a lot in common unexpectedly. And as Maddie starts interviewing Precious, she realizes that the tables are turned when Precious sort of interviews Maddie. And they both begin peeling back the layers of their pasts, of their regrets, of their grief, and of the things that have held them back in their lives. And so it's a mutual healing as they uncover each other's secrets and the secrets of Precious's life back during the war. And Maddie is a character that your readers will be familiar with from other novels. Is that right? That's correct. I had two books. There are two of my older books, but two of my most popular books, Falling Home and After the Rain. Um, and again, The Last Night in London, it's not a sequel. I have just borrowed previous characters um, because my, um, my readers have been emailing me since those books came out to find out what Maddie's story is. So in Falling Home, Maddie is a 14-year-old girl who goes through the loss of her mother. And then in um, four years later, we meet Maddie again, and she is an 18-year-old young woman about to go to college and, you know, on the brink of her life. And so I, you know, she was a favorite character. And so I knew that I had to put her in a novel. And this novel was perfect because I also love fish out of water stories. And my mother, who is from the Mississippi Delta, when we moved to London, I remember how, you know, shopkeepers would make fun of her accent and sort of mimic her. And I, you know, I couldn't help think, you know, how, how, you know, uncomfortable it must be to be an American um, expatriate in London who has such a strong Southern accent. So of course I thought Maddie would be the perfect character to put in London, um, you know, to experience a little bit of what my mother, my mother, that culture shock, you know, they say that um, England and America are, are divided by a common language. <laughs> and yes. That's very true. 
Well, Maddie is definitely a complex character and it was really, really interesting to kind of watch her sort of don her like professional hat, but also to sort of see that that professional side of her bleed into the personal kind of as she does struggle with some of the things that she's been sort of keeping under wraps Mm -hmm. um, and kind of try to come to terms with her feelings and just all the things that have been affecting her, you know, throughout right. her life so far. Right. And, and one of the reasons that happens is also Precious has a sort of surrogate nephew, Colin, who had gone to school um, when Maddie um, was in England for junior year abroad and had had a connection with her back then. And she sort of turned him away very, very suddenly and abruptly, um, even though, you know, they, they clearly had feelings for each other. And you don't really find out why um, until you, you get reading. But there's something in her past that has completely, uh, that has made her closed off uh, to any sort of relationship. She even, you know, she's very close to her family. She's got sisters and a brother and a father and stepmother and um, they love her dearly and she loves her and she loves her hometown of Walton, Georgia, but she doesn't go back for that same reason why she holds herself off, um, which you do discover, but it's part of her it's part of her makeup and it's, it's through talking with Precious and all of Precious's past that, um, and also this connection with Colin, excuse me, yes, Colin, that, um, that really, really shakes her, her well-honed belief that she is not meant to have relationships. And it's, lo- I love, I love, dis- you know, I love that writing character. I love reading about characters who sort of start out one way and then sort of grow and change and learn as they go around uh, along. And, and Maddie is certainly one of those characters. Yes, you do see quite a bit of growth in her as the novel expands. Some of it feels sort of subtle, like you don't necessarily notice right away. And you're like, wait, you know, in the beginning of the book, she might not have been receptive to, you know, whatever it is. Right. But then you see her sort of evolving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think Precious helps with, you know, Precious has been through, so. I mean, she's about to turn 100. Um, yes. You know, she was originally from the American South and, you know, had come to England, to London to uh, try her hat at being a model and was very successful. And then, you know, was in, in France and Paris during um, the war. So she has learned a lot and, and she kind of sees this opportunity, not just as an opportunity to be interviewed, to tell her story, but also finally to to help someone by sharing her own secrets and her own past. And I think that helps both of them open up to these, these boxes that they've kept inside of themselves for all of these years um, that has really been holding them back from quite a bit. Um, and Precious even says it's, it, that's why she's not allowed to die. Um, she, she wants to die, all of her friends are gone, her family, um, but she can't, um, and she realizes it's because she's been holding on to the past. Yes. So this is sort of the first book that you've done that is set outside of the American South, it seems. Mm-hmm. Well, except for the, the last part, because we do go back, we, we get to visit Walton, Georgia. and do a It's reverse, true, right at the end. reverse because... fish out of water. I swear yes. I wrote this whole book just for those scenes, because, you know... 
<laughs> yes. It was fun to write. It was fun to revisit Walton because those were, um, again, the setting for Falling Home and After the Rain. And I just love that, that town. And it was fun to, to see the reverse fish out of water story. Was there anything that felt particularly challenging to you about writing a book that was, for the most part, set outside of a place that feels sort of um, almost like like home for your books? Like your books are sort of the, the quintessential like Southern novels in a lot of cases. Right. Um, and that's why I think I, I, liked, I liked having Maddie because she's so quintessentially Southern. And yes. you know, we, we get to, to, even though we don't really see her family, her extended family until the end of the book, you know, we are getting texts, we are getting phone calls, we are getting constant reminders of this family, that very Southern family that um, is waiting for her back in Walton, Georgia. And, you know, so we still have that sense of home and place um, that is, you know, that is, that is rooted inside Maddie. Um, and then, you know, and because London was my home, I mean, I, it, it really is my hometown, but until I moved to Atlanta, Georgia, where I've now been for 28 years, um, I, um, you know, London was, I mean, we were there for seven years. That was the longest I had ever lived anywhere in my life. And that was because of my father's job with Exxon. So, oh. you know, I, you know, Again, borrowing from my mother's experiences, you know, and putting a Southerner in London um, was really fun. I found it and um, it was fun because I was able to revisit, you know, what, what had been so familiar to me. Um, and I was able to pull on so many of those memories. Um, sadly, I was not able to visit. I had planned to visit in 2019 and then um, my parents became ill and I had to sort of take over their care. And then, you know, and my husband were like, oh, don't worry, we can do that in 2020. <laughs> no, I don't think we can. Yeah, that didn't happen either, obviously. <laughs> so, um, um, so I didn't get to, but you know, I'm very, very lucky. I have a lovely, lovely friend and author, Stephanie Scott, um, whose whose debut book came out last year what's left of me is yours and she is fabulous and uh, yeah a wonderful lady wonderful amazing book um but she has this lovely accent and she's you know british and um so i sent her the book and i said just point out anything that is wrong in terms of Britishisms or, you know, because when I lived there, I mean, things have changed, you know, the, they have new tube lines and, you know, things like that. And things aren't exactly where they used to be. And so I had her sure. read it just to point out any inaccuracies to make sure that, that it is as authentic as possible. I have the Stephanie Scott book here actually. Oh. Okay. on my like huge pile of things to one day be read <laughs> it is it's a fabulous book it really it is. looks it's so so, so good you will feel like you have visited japan uh, when you like i can't believe that i've never been there because i feel as if i i know it because of this gorgeous book that's amazing i love when a book can do that sort of transport you to a place that you have not been Right. And aren't likely to travel to anytime real soon. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I don't see myself um, visiting Japan right now. Right. So now that Maddie's story is almost in the world, what is coming next for you? So very soon, actually, I I've been busy. Um, I have a new book coming out November 2nd. It is oh called, my goodness. I know it's um, the attic on Queen Street and it is the seventh 
and final book in my Trad Street series. But um, before I get oh, here, all the loans of those. Daisy will be so happy. <laughs> well, the, <laughs> the story is so, um, you know, I, we all know series that go on too long and it's like, okay, you know, l- let's let them live their happily ever afters. Let's let them live in peace and be happy and whatever. So, but I do love these characters. It was very hard to say goodbye, but I, it was time. So this is the last book. Every, everybody who was unhappy with the ending of the Christmas spirits on Trad Street, rest assured, every, every question will be answered. It will end on a bright note and everything is great. Um, and the best news is that I'm already started working on the spin-off series that will the first one, I know the first one is called The Shop on on Royal Street. And for those of you who are familiar with where Royal Street is, it is in New Orleans. And um, the main character will be Nola Trenum from the Trad Street series, um, as well as another character. And of course, we're going to see Melanie and Jack and the gang, you know, back and forth, but it's going to center um, on um, on Maddie and um, her new life. No, I don't think it will center on Maddie. No, excuse me. <laughs> you know what? I'm I mean, sorry. It could, I guess. I've only you had... Wanna- one cup of coffee. And then I had a video before this where I needed to take, um, drink champagne to toast for tomorrow. So oh. <laughs> I think that's part of my problem. I met Nola, Nola Trenum, who is from the Trad Street series. And she's Jack's daughter and Melanie's stepdaughter and a favorite in that series. And so she's going to, Nola Trenum will be carrying on the, the family tradition of, uh, mystery and a little bit of paranormal and old houses in a beautiful southern city of New Orleans. I love New Orleans. I, I do too. And, you know, I went to Tulane, so I'm very familiar with it. Again, I'm kind of going back home and I feel like I'm cheating, you know, because it's like I'm writing what's familiar. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's fun revisiting. And yes, my first post COVID trip. Um, Because I will be fully vaccinated um, as of next week. Um, My husband and I are going to be visiting New Orleans to do, quote, research, end quote, meaning Uh, research. And again, I lived there for four years, but you know what? Things have changed. That was, I lived there. Sure. Things are different. I need to go get a, you know, renewed feel for the city that I, I love. I love then and I still love. And will the fabulous women who make up Team W have a book for us anytime soon? Well, thank you for asking. That is the other book I'm working on. So oh, I, I love, love, I love your collaborations with each other and the fun we have writing together kind of shines through in our book. So uh, we're working on our fourth collaboration. Um, it will be out fall of 2022. And oh, so far away. I, I'm sorry. I know, but you know, it's been hard <laughs> it's writing. Okay. Because, you know, we were supposed to get together to plot the book and COVID interfered with that. So then we had to plot it, you know, zooming with each other. And then, yes. um, you know, that, that's how it happens, but we don't have a title, but it's set in Newport, Rhode Island. And Ooh. the three time periods are going to be 1890s, 1950s and modern day. Yes. Beautiful. Yes very excited mm-hmm. yes I can't tell you anything yeah. more than that because we're still working on it but it'll be, well that's fair it'll be you know team w unibrain at its best that's all I'm gonna say 
Team W. Like I've I've always sort of wondered, you know, when people write, like I've heard of two people writing together, and that always has seemed like to be a fascinating concept to me. And then when I read the first book that the three of you did, I was like, whoa, there's three. I know it, it was kind of new at the time. I know there's a copycat threesome coming up. Um, I think this year. I don't mean copycat; they're friends of ours. But um, yeah, oh. we were the first. We were the first. So um, yeah, um, you, yes. you will see more. But it, it was, and that's why our publisher was like, eh, "What is this? It's a, it's, it's a." You know, they kept on calling it an anthology. We're like, "No, it's a club. no." And, uh, but now they got used to that idea, especially, you know, the first one did, you know, they've all sold very well, but the first one hit the New York Times list. And, you know, they were, I mean, it was almost embarrassing how surprised our publisher was, you know, they're like, what? Um, but I think, you know, I think our three voices just blend so well for these books. It just, it's, it's really been um, an exciting and fun venture. And I'm, I'm just thrilled that we're, we're doing it again. I am so glad to hear that you are. Yeah. I wish I had those are such amazing before. books. I know we, we need to finish the book first. So I, it's been slow going because you know, um, Lauren Willig is in New York City uh, with two young kids and a husband who's been working at home and she's been trying to school them and work on other books and uh, yes. been insane. And then Beatrice lives in Connecticut. She's got four children, really five if you include her husband. So they're <laughs> all at home. <laughs> you know, and it's, so it's been, it's, it's been, and then me with my parents during the pandemic has been dreadful. And so we're all kind of dealing with, you know, the rest of our life that we're normally able to sort of fit everything in, but this has been, it's been a process um, with this whole pandemic thing. So I've heard that from people who, you know, are used to having a certain amount of time when most people are out of the house. Right. And now, you know, so many people are, are home, um, and of course, there's this whole thing about, you know, online school oh and trying God. to help kids with school, but still do like your whatever, job. you know, your job is. Right, right. And, uh, you know, Lauren normally has a nanny so that she has like, you know, X amount of hours per day. And then that nanny's like, nope, COVID, I'm going home. So oh. you know, Lauren on <laughs> her own doing the law and her husband works ridiculous hours. So Lauren has been doing the kids stuff, the family stuff, you know, the laundry, the writing stuff. Ah, uh, yes. Really, really hard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, and then me just, ugh, parents, you know, it's just, it's, and it's not even the time, it's the brain cells, you know, that you mm -hmm. have to devote to all this other, these other things that never were even a blip on your radar before. Sure. There's a risk factor, I think, to a lot of sort of the everyday activities that we up until you know last year didn't really have to consider mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and also we're not getting the mental breaks that we normally get you know no going out to you know Friday night used to be yeah let's go out to dinner just kind of you know chew our glass of wine you know my husband and I because my kids were grown and out of the house um, he thought that's why I inherited my parents. So I've really oh. never been an empty nester um, they don't live with me but um, they you know I I take care of everything and I visit often, but, um, you know, it's just, we just haven't had those, that those social interactions that really have alleviated a lot of the stress. Um, and I found too, that there's been a lot of, um, uh, you know, the social media has sort of amplified and yes. I love social media. I, and I would spend all day on it, but you know what it is 
uh, it is a wormhole. Um, you know, once you get sucked in, it's like four hours later, you're like, oh, I was supposed to be writing a chapter, you know, and um, it's just, it's a challenge. Time management has become a challenge like never before. Um, like when my kids were at home, I mean, I knew from this hour to this hour, my husband would be at work and my kids would be at school and I could get this done. And I didn't have to worry about social media. It was a small thing. I just, writing was it. That's what I did when I wasn't doing the kids stuff. And everything is just kind of all jumbled now. And uh, the pandemic has just amplified all of that. Yes, yes, it has. Do you see COVID kind of appearing in, in your writing? I know that a lot of authors have sort of struggled with as we slowly, you know, come out of the pandemic, like what, what does writing in 2020 slash 2021 look like for people? You know what? Um, I, cause I actually have planned, I, I, I don't want to talk too much about it cause it's not, um, it's not a done deal yet, but you know, you either have to set it during COVID, like during the height of it, because I, you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and like the early parts of it when it was also new and kind of almost interesting and we didn't know we'd be in it for such a long haul. Um, and so I, I'm toying with writing that, but I have to say that when I started watching my shows again, um, you know, uh, especially like I, I love shows like, um, Chicago Med and The Resident and they just really went you know they're all wearing masks and it's during the middle of COVID I'm like you know what I really don't I don't want to watch this because I you know I plan like I have 20 minutes of television time a day that I allow myself usually while I'm eating lunch and I don't want to revisit COVID <laughs> I don't want to see the masks I need an escape and I'm thinking that, that, you know, what you have to be very careful if you're going to write it during COVID, you know, to make it interesting and, you know, either make it the focus, but don't make it part of our everyday lives because we are sick of it being our everyday lives. Truly. It's true. It's true. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I've seen a couple of books um, that are kind of almost like COVID romances and I have not felt um, like yeah. that's something that I've wanted to delve into quite yet. Right. Like I know a lot of people are saying, oh, so you're like, you're going to write like a notebook kind of thing, you know, with the Alzheimer's thing. I'm like, no, because I have two parents with Alzheimer's and you know what, it's just not that exciting and romantic to me right now. You know, it's, it's while well, you're living mm -hmm. through the hell of it, it you just, you want to escape it. You don't want to write about it. Give me 10 right. years. And then I, because there are, there are situations that, you know, I think would be reflective and humorous and whatever, but I, you know, I'm in the trenches now. I'm not going to be writing about it for any time soon. No, not, not right now. Yeah. So have you read anything particularly fantastic lately that you would like the world to know about? Gosh, you know, I have been given so many books to read um, because it, there's so many Zoom, you know, in conversations with other authors. Oh, yes. Um, oh, so I've just, I mean, like I'm sitting on a stack right now. Um, I can tell you what I've read uh, recently that highly recommend these. Um, the Invisible Woman by Erica Roebuck. Um, oh, yes, that was so good. That was so good about Virginia Hall. That was amazing. Yes. You know, one of the unsung heroes of World War II. Um, I mean, really, she deserves a cape. She's a remarkable woman. Um, Stephanie Dre's The Women of Chateau Lafayette. Again, uh, you know, uh, yes. 
a whole new world that I did thought I knew and didn't know. Very fascinating. Um, I loved um, co-writer Lauren Willig's Band of Sisters. Um, I think I've read all of her books and that was my favorite of, of them so far. It takes place um, during World War I in France on the front lines with a based on a true story that she happened to discover by accident while researching um, our book, All the Ways We Said Goodbye, and um, about a relief unit from Smith College. These American women who are like, well, we're going to the French front and we're going to help. And nobody's ever heard of these women. And I'm just so proud of Lauren that she has, you know, did the research and is making these women um, heroes as they should be in, in her book. That was such a lovely, lovely book. Oh, amazing. And then the book that I'm currently reading right now, because uh, uh, the author and I are going to be doing an event uh, together on the 29th. It's called The Social Graces by Renee Rosen. Renee um, Rosen! Oh my gosh, this book is so great. I'm just loving it, loving it, loving it. Um, and it is really, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's during the... Um, uh, the late, the Gilded Age, you know, and yes. Newport, uh, Rhode Island. Uh, there we go. And um, uh, New York City. And it's basically the, 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 the nouveau riche um, um, uh, led by the Elva Vanderbilt versus the Knickerbocker class uh, led by uh, Caroline Astor and their feuding and their, you know, grabbing for territory. And it's just because we get inside these ladies' heads and I, I cannot wait to interview Renee and and ask her how she did her research because she's really made these two women very, very human. And I, I love that, you know, I, you just think of these, these women as, you know, way in the past, you don't know anything about them. And now you see them as being mothers and grandmothers and wives and friends and, and, and you just learn so much more about them. But yeah, the social graces, I'm about three quarters of the way through and I'm, it, it reads like a novel. Well, it is a novel, but it is it, a novel. <laughs> I know, but you know, but it, it, it's based on real people and real events and, and characters. And it's just, it's incredible. Yes, she is. I don't know if you um, have chatted with her before, but she is one of the warmest, most genuine people that I have met. I had the pleasure of meeting her um, after reading um, Park Avenue Summer. We were at the historical novel conference. Oh, yes. And um, so we, we were able to have dinner together with some other authors and just had a blast. Um, yeah, with Susan yeah, Meisner. She's wonderful. Nature of Fragile Things. Oh, I adored yes. that book. Um, that was so good. There were so many, and I know I'm forgetting a bunch, but I guess because COVID, we were just writing, 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 writing. There's just an, a bumper crop of amazing books out. Um, oh, Marie Bostwick's uh, The Restoration of Cecilia, of Celia Fairchild. Love that book. Um, just just a great, it, you know, uh, um, it, it's set in Charleston, which I adore. And it's about a, a woman who inherits, she's sort of like, you know, she's lost her job in New York City and she inherits um, her aunt's house in Charleston and, and has to come home and restore it. So that's, you, you know, know, I think one of my, my co-hostesses was talking about this. I don't know if she did read it or like planned to read it, but it was a it's been out, out a couple of months. So it's still new, but um, the restoration of Celia Fairchild and Marie Boswick, if you ever have a chance to chat with her, she is lovely, really lovely. That's amazing. Well, Karen, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your pre-release day hustle and bustle to chat with me today. This was lovely. Pleasure. Thank you, Shannon. You always have great questions. You're always so well prepared. I appreciate it greatly. 
Well, I appreciate that. And before I let you dash off, can you let listeners know the best place to find you online? Yes. Um, I always tell people to start with my website because on my website, we have all the links to my social media. So that is karen-white.com. And my Instagram is at Karen White, right, W-R-I-T-E. My Twitter is at Karen White, right, W-R-I-T-E. And my Facebook is Karen White Author. Amazing. Do you also know that there is a Karen White audiobook narrator? I do. I know. And we, we've communicated before because <laughs> we, we would get fan mail for each other. Really yes. And Publishers Weekly actually... Um, we, they had to post a correction because I had to correct them. They had posted that, um, you know, prolific author Karen White also has narrated this book on such and such. And I'm like, no, no, wasn't me. No. The narrator is she's uh, an amazingly talented professional and she deserves all the credit for what she does. It does not need to be blended into what I do because I hate listening to my voice. Nobody would want to listen to my voice, but she's incredible. Yes, she is. And she's a very, very active um, advocate for audiobooks and, and skilled lie. narration. You know, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Printed books are my favorite medium. But when I'm traveling a lot in normal time, um, I'm, I'm an audiobook fanatic. It's the only thing that keeps me awake in the car is listening to a great book. You have awesome audiobook narrators for I, this book, by the way. I, I know, and I, I'm so lucky because the um, so I'm with Penguin Audio, and um, they um, always include me on the process of choosing the narrators. So, um, um, yeah, I'm thrilled. I sorry, and I'm blanking on the names right now because I there's three of them. I believe. It's uh, no, there's two. two. It's Barry Krynick and Saskia Marleveld. Yes. And um, when I heard their voices, I knew, and, and I was able, one of the snippets actually I was able to hear like with, you know, the British accent and um, the Southern, and I was just amazed. They are so talented, audio narrators. I mean, they are such professionals. I know some yes. authors narrate their own books. I would never presume to be good enough to do that. Well, that was the book, that was the um, preparation copy that I had for this interview. And it is so, so well done. I don't know if you've heard the, the finished copy, but it is, it is incredible. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, you stay well and stay sane. I hope all continues to be as peaceful as possible for your parents. And Thank you. hopefully Thank you we'll back. have you back. I know. For your next couple of books. Yeah. So November 2nd, that's the next one. Awesome. Um, yeah. So hopefully we can chat again. All right. Well, you take care. And you too, Shannon. Thanks so much. Okay. Uh-huh. Bye-bye. Okay. New books. So this is, I always say this, a very, very good day for new releases. However, the first book I have to talk to you about is one that I'm pretty sure every single book bistress is excited about. And that doesn't happen very often. So the first few books are, of course, books you've heard us talk about before on our most anticipated books of May episode. And I am starting out with Legacy, the standalone romantic suspense title from Nora Roberts. It's finally here. Stacy talked about it 
when we were looking ahead to May releases, but all of us are so, so excited. There's like nothing better than the yearly Nora Roberts, like big spring summer book. I also want to mention How to Find a Princess. This is Runaway Royals Book 2 by Alyssa Cole, and this was one of my books that I was looking forward to this month. This is a lesbian royal romance, and I'm super excited for it. Natalia talked about a delightful, delightful book called The Invisible Husband of Frick Island. I was fortunate enough to read an early copy, and I love everything about this. It just has so much charm, and it is so different from anything else I've read. It's just a remarkable, remarkable book. I highly recommend it. And Kristen was looking forward to The Stepsisters, which is the latest novel by Susan Mallory. So those are some things that you've heard us talk about before, but what about books we haven't mentioned? So first up is, this is kind of a dual timeline. I think it kind of shows us things in a non-linear fashion, but this is revival season. It's by Monica West, and it is, it looks like it's a debut, and it is about a girl who, when she's 15, she goes to a series of revival meetings with her father, who is, at the time, one of the South's most like well-known preachers. But after an act of violence sort of disrupts one of these meetings, she learns some startling truths about her family and about her faith. Um, I've always been really interested in the whole idea of like faith healing and revivals. So I'm looking forward to this one. It is Revival Season by Monica West. We also have Cheat Day by Liv Stratman. And this I feel like is a book for our time. You know, we hear so much about people who get caught up in these like health food fads or these kind of cleanses. Um, You know, everywhere you look on social media, there are people telling you to cleanse your colon and, you know, get rid of this or that from your diet. So this is a novel that sort of looks at that industry and shows us a couple who get way too caught up in these sorts of things for their own good. I'm really looking forward to this one as well. It is Cheat Day by Liv Stratman. I am turning my attention to some romances, maybe a little bit of women's fiction. I'm excited to talk about Heart and Soul, Soul is in the City in Korea, by Jen Frederick. This is kind of a coming-of-age story, kind of women's fiction, a little bit of romance about a young woman who learns that she was adopted and that sort of the, the questions that she has can only be answered by journeying to Korea. And so she does. And of course, she finds a whole lot more than she bargained for once she gets there. This is Heart and Soul by Jen Frederick. Alexandra Bellefleur has a new book out this week. This is Hang the Moon. Last year, she wrote Written in the Stars, and this is kind of a companion novel featuring one of the characters that you met in Written in the Stars, if you've read it. 
So Written in the Stars was a lesbian romance. This is um, a romance between a man and a woman, but one, if not both, of our main characters are bisexual here. And so we're looking at romance, we're looking at what really causes two people to fall in love, and apparently we are looking for some nods to some of the great like romantic classic movies that we will find in the pages of this book. It's Hang the Moon, and it's by Alexandra Belfleur. Rochelle Ehlers is releasing the second book in her book club series. This is The Beach House, and it is about a woman whose life is unraveling when she really wasn't expecting it to do that. And so now she's coming home and trying to start again. So this also can kind of straddle that line between women's fiction and romance. It is The Beach House Book Club, book two, by Rochelle Ehlers. I'm now moving on to some fantasy, um, urban fantasy, paranormal romance, fantasy romance. And this is a book that I did not know was coming out until I was looking at new books for this episode. So this is A Fate of Wrath and Flame, Fate and Flame, book one by K.A. Tucker. I have not seen a new K.A. Tucker book in a little while. And this one was definitely not one that I was expecting. Um, she's been writing a lot of contemporary new adult books lately. And so I am delighted to see that she's turning her attention to paranormal romance, it looks like. It is a tale of gods and monsters set in a New York that isn't quite like the New York City that we are familiar with. So it is A Fate of Wrath and Flame, Fate and Flame, book one by K.A. Tucker. And S. Usher Evans also has a new book out this week. This is called Demon Fall. No, I'm sorry. It is the second book in her Demon Fall series. The book itself is Resurrection. And Evans is an author that I have been interested in for quite a while. She has done a science fiction series um, called the Razia series, which looks really good. It's about a like a space pirate. Um, she has some urban fantasy. She just is one of those people who writes a variety of things and they all look really good. A lot of these are self-published and I'm always really excited to talk about indie authors because I don't think they get nearly the credit that they deserve. So this one is Resurrection and it's Demon Fall book two by S. Usher Evans. And Megan Sienna Doidge. I love her so much. She has the first book in her Archivist series out this week, and it's called Invoking Infinity. And the thing to know about Megan Sienna Doidge, if you don't know, is that all of her books relate to one another. So it's really hard to read them out of order. Like you have to start way back at the beginning and read all about this like really quirky cupcake bakery and all the magic that goes on there and things kind of take a darker turn. It's a huge series. I love it a lot. So this one is Invoking Infinity, Archivist, book one by Megan Sienna Doidge. And we have a new series from PC Cast and Kristen Cast. This is Spells Trouble, Sisters of Salem, book one. And 
PC Cast and Kristen Cast wrote the House of Night series years ago, and they've also written, both separately and together, some other books. None of them have seemed quite as charming um, as the House of Night, but this one looks like it could come close. So this is about twin witches who live in a town called Goodville, and they are descendants of the town's founders, and now they are tasked with protecting these gates that could open up into other like realms. And if they don't protect these gates, keep entities from coming through, then the world as we know it will be flooded with darkness. So this is Spells Trouble, Sisters of Salem, book one, and it's by Kristen Cast and PC Cast. And... I have a couple of mysteries to wrap up with today. Um, the first one is Scorpion, and this is by Christian Cantrell. This is a book I've heard a little bit of buzz building up about um, over the past few weeks. This is a futuristic thriller about a woman who is searching for an assassin. Apparently, we deal with some things like... Um, climate change and sort of increased technology, all the things that kind of make the future what it is. But if you add to that the sort of suspense of looking for a killer, you will have Scorpion. So this is Scorpion, and it's by Kristen Cantrell. And the last book that I wanted to talk about today is The Photographer. And this is by Mary Dixie Carter. It is a psychological thriller um, apparently some people wanted to get a perfect family picture done, right? Like we've had family pictures taken. I'm pretty sure most of us have. Um, it's usually kind of a terrible experience. You're supposed to seem all happy and content to hang out with your family, but everyone's like tormented because nobody wants to get this stupid picture taken. So this family wants a family picture, but the photographer believes that they have a perfect life and this is a life that she wants for herself. So what will she do to get it? Mm, probably not anything good. So if you want to know more, you will have to pick it up. It is The Photographer by Mary Dixie Carter. And that, my bookish friends, is all I have for you today. I hope that you are staying safe and, of course, staying well-read. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm -hmm.